More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Hey, welcome to Survivor Sanctuary. It is episode 29 and I am Kelly Excited as always to be here with you and really looking forward to the continuation of my conversation with Eric Peterson. Now, Eric is a survivor of sexual abuse and he is a member of our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group and he has a lot of fun. If you haven't joined the group yet, you can do that by searching Survivor Sanctuary on Facebook, request to join. And I just do that to kind of be a little bit of a gatekeeper so we don't have bots joining or worse than that, trolls. We want it to be a very safe space for you to share. And I think that we have created that on Facebook. So you can come and join the conversation there and chat a little bit more with Eric, which is what we are about to do. Going to dive right into the second half of our conversation with Eric Peterson here on Survivor Sanctuary. We moved from there. I isolated it. We isolated ourselves more. We moved further out into the bush and it was awesome. We were living on 40 acres. Nobody hassle you. Uh, yeah, except God. God starts working on me. And um, like I said earlier, things just started to happen. So I reported all this stuff to the Royal Commission. And before I did, I went up and visited that pastor back at the the church where I was in the mission house. I went up and visited the pastor that was running at the time and told him everything that had happened. He is currently the CEO of Foursquare Australia. His name's Wayne McGee. He cried with me, prayed with me, said he'd look into it. He rang up the perpetrator. He said he didn't do it. He rang me back and pretty much said, yeah, well, I'm happy with that. And and I gave him his choice. He should have reported it regardless. Like I know I wasn't young, but I was an 18, 19 or 20-year-old kid coming off drugs, trusting them to look after me. And they had a mission home being run by a guy who grooms boys. Yeah, a predator. Um, yeah. And so he rang me back and I, I remember specifically saying to him, you, you're happy with that. That's that's the the last thing you're going to do about it. You know what I mean? He, he was yeah. happy. And um, I thought, well, I gave him his chance. And so I reported that with, into the Royal Commission too. And um, then out of the blue, he contacts me on Facebook. Do you know what I did? I sent him the link. I said, I forgot to send you a link to this podcast I did recently with a sex abuse advocate in the US. I sent him a podcast I did with Jimmy. And the Good response I got back with the response I got back was, I pray you are doing okay, Eric. Now, if he listened to that podcast, I don't mention his name in it. I did in this one. I don't care. It's the same as the Scoutmaster, Robert Potter. I don't care. The other one, I'm keeping that quiet because the police need to work. Sometimes I, I really want to talk about it, Kel, but excuse me. It's best for those that may have also suffered. Did I just keep my mouth shut for a time that's appropriate? Right. You know what I mean? 
So I don't mind talking about that now. And so when I went out, he just said, no, I'm, I'm happy with that. And I thought, wow, um, he should have reported it to the police as a pastor and especially as somebody running the Foursquare denomination. He should have known better. It's mandatory reporting. Listen, it was mandatory reporting back when Brian should have reported his father in 99. You know, right. um, it's just stupid. After that, you know, as you can see, it's kind of like gotten to a point where I've talked to him about it. The memories are coming back from the other stuff. People are telling me about, you know, the Scoutmaster. I'm like, man, it just all started. And I thought, what do I do? That's when I contacted a good friend of mine, Tanya. Tanya Levine. That's a name Hillsong don't like. She exposed them years ago when she wrote a book called People in Glass Houses. And their best response was to brand a witch and try and cause hell in her life thereafter. She helped me, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like the churches that leave people to bleed in the ditch on their own. And then the people who are branded witches um, are the ones that are actually going to help the wounded. Yeah. And yeah. it sucks so bad that that's the reality that so many survivors of abuse like deal with. But it just is. Yeah, she she was there um, during the Hillsong Royal Commission. So she knew what I was dealing with as well mentally. And then you put it all together. So eventually um, I contacted the Royal Commission. I rang them up. And after many lengthy phone calls and exchange of emails and details, I was contacted by the police. And praise God, I have the same area looking after all three cases. Wow. I only have to deal with one officer. And it's hard. She's been really good. It's a lady. Um, and she's been really good. She hasn't pressured me step by step, bit by bit, because I told her, I said, you know, I've got more important things to do. I said, I can't fall apart at the moment. I just can't, you know. We're trying to get into a new home, me and my wife, to get her settled. She's not well. So I've got to, I've got to care for her first. And, um, yeah, the coppers have been real good. So... Um, Let's see and hope what comes out of that, you know. But Wayne should Can have I? reported it. He should have. Like, that bottom one, line, it, if I had to give advice to, like, any and every church leader is that whenever somebody reports something like that to you, you report it to the police. Even if you don't know if there's anything that the police can do. Like, yep. it's not your job to decide whether it's a punishable offense based on whatever age you were, it's not your job to decide if a person can be prosecuted. It's just your job to report horrible things that happen to the police or to whatever commission you need to report it to. And then they'll handle whatever they can do about it. You know, if they can't do anything, that's, that's on them because that's their job. But too many people decide in their heads what needs to be done. And they're always going to decide whatever is easiest for them, you know, like, and come up with excuses. Because honestly, that's just like when, when you told the pastor, and it was good enough for him that your perpetrator and predator said he didn't do it. Like, oh, yeah. well, that's good enough. for me. And the reason it was good enough for him is because that was the easiest path to take. Yep. And, and that, that's sad. You know, it is. Um, I, took a young fella to the police straight away in the last church that I was at 
when um, he somehow heard a bit of me talk about some of my past somewhere or something in an interview or something I'd done and he came out to me about being molested by a family in that church when he was a young fella years ago. Boom, straight to the cops, you know, right. straight to the police. You know, right. It's mandatory reporting. You just can't not. That's being investigated. But it helped this kid a lot too because this kid, he's had a hard slog in life. Um, it hasn't been easy for him. Oh, and no. so he's reactionary. Great kid. I love him. He's a great kid and the coppers understand him more now and it was really cool because I got actually to get him interviewed by one of the coppers that um, has arrested him quite a bit. Chris is quite um, regular to the jail cells where he was and um, but now the cops understand why he is like he is. He, that, that sergeant just went through that interview and he was gobsmacked and he could see why Chris was such an angry kid. You know, and so what does Chris do? He just drinks and, and deals with it that way. And so when you drink, you spaz out sometimes. And now they talk to him and he mellows out a lot quicker. So that's a blessing. Yeah, you is. know, but I, I, had to, I had to go. I went in recovery for years, mate, after that. I, I went quiet. We'd stopped going to Vineyard Church. Yeah, oh, that was long. Melbourne, didn't go to a church really in Melbourne. Tried to look for a few. Hung out at a Chinese, what was it? The Box Hill Chinese Christian Church didn't understand a word they preached, but it was just comfortable to be there. Um, my wife and I just liked being in the church. So we used to go there. Um, we come to Kempsey. I was sort of looking around for churches. And you go back to what you know. Dog returns to the vomit. And so me, woof, 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 gets involved with all this <laughs> crap again. And I start opening myself up into another, like, another trail of emotions and feelings and getting to reconnect, trying to reconnect back to God. Um, eventually spent some time in the AOG or the ACC as it's called here. And um, so after that, I ended up in a Presbyterian church for quite a while. And in that, I think I, I did get a lot of healing. Um, it's a pretty pretty no pressure church most presbyterian churches as long as you look good dress proper and um, don't cuss too much you do all right right um so I, I i did all right in that church for a while eventually my wife and i ran the youth group i was doing okay and something inside of me was starting to change there was a hunger that was in me and it all started around the bloody lord's supper we never had communion much at the church and I was starting to get psycho about it. I, I I was starting to crave the Lord's Supper and I couldn't understand it. And I was trying to talk to the pastors about it. They just thought I was mental. And I just said, listen, <laughs> it's got to do something. I said, seriously, Jesus ain't that silly to ask us to do something after he's gone if it ain't going to do something. I said, it's pretty pointless really, isn't it? You know, if it's just in remembrance of, I said, this stuff does something. And so they started to think I was a bit mental. Um, I was on the board, you know, the committee of management, and I was the sound man at church. And so I was the nice guy until I started questioning things. Then also amongst that time, I was starting to question some of the teaching, as was my wife. My poor wife, you know, she's a ripper. 
She pulled the pastor up for preaching outside of the Western Confession of Faith and the boundaries of the Presbyterian Church, and he didn't like it. And all the elders, all the elders stood behind him. Then my situation came about. Um, we had a run-in with the pastor. He had an issue with my missus because my wife's my she's great, Kel. If, if she's like a time bomb. You put her in the right place at the right time and if people talk enough rubbish, she's going to go off. And so in home, in the home group, there was a particular fellow, him and his wife, they're airy, fairy, charismatic, you know, happy clappies. They were bonkers. Um, he was trying to constantly preach his stuff in his home group. And Joe would always pull him up and say, no, that's not what Scripture says, mate. Now, come on. We don't care what you think or what he thinks. What does Scripture say? And so we'd bring it back like that. And this pastor didn't like it. Oh, he ended up having a meeting with us. He called us into his office. And it was, first it was the other group members that had an issue with us. And um, I thought, something's fishy here. And he started um and ah. And I just looked at him. I said, cut the crap, man. I said, Brian, what's the problem you got with my wife? He, he, he told her. And I said, I wouldn't want to be in your home group anyway. You're an ass. And walked out. I said, come on, bub. I said, we're not going to go to that home group anymore. Um, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know this, the elders had employed him as a pastor by this time, which was not what the church had agreed upon. And I found out it, it was dirty. There was some dirty stuff happening there in behind the scenes and they all got nasty. And um, in the meantime, this particular fellow that was causing the trouble in the home group was also causing issues in the church. I'd spotted him handing out, you know, these, I call them heavenly tourism books, you know, those, <laughs> those I've been to heaven books and I had a vision of this and he was trying to get yes. people in the church to read this stuff. And I just said to him, I said, listen, Mark, you're not going to do that, mate. I said, no offence. I said, but it's, it's, it's above the door. I said, I'm an ex-charismaniac myself. I said, I know the rules here. It's a Presbyterian church, mate. We don't do that stuff here. And then I caught him laying hands on some visiting missionaries and praying in tongues over him. That was it. I lost it. I just told him, I said, next time I catch you doing that crap, I said, I'll drag you out by your collar and the elders can talk to you outside. I said, you keep going around and trying to cause trouble and division in this church. I said, you're trying to become the, the, the youth um, song leader. I said, we don't need you here, mate. I said, it's a Presbyterian church. We're quite happy. We don't need all your hoo-ha. Within a week or two weeks, the church receives an anonymous email that somebody in the church believed Eric was showing possible grooming behaviour towards children. That's crazy. Oh, listen, crazy. I actually wrote a blog about that. Razzed me off a bit. It was interesting because some of those fellas in that church, some of the elders... And they all pushed the charge that I was possibly showing. Possibly, you know, what a word to throw in there. You know, basically right. they, they accused me of grooming kids. Um, some of them were privy to the issues and my dealings with the Royal Commission. And they knew this was a bit of a sore subject to be accused of being a groomer when you've been groomed, when you've been molested by asses that do this stuff. Um, right. You react. I wasn't happy. Um, they called me up. This is the saddest one. They called me up to come into the church for a meeting. 
I thought, sweet, you know, I thought, finally get to deal with the issues with this guy sharing his false teaching in the church. And in the meantime, the pastor had been hiding stuff I'd been sharing with him as well from the elders. I thought it was an open door policy, but he was keeping back what he, he was playing, mate. They called me in and on the doorstep of the church because they forgot their keys. They accused me or they, they told me that I'd been, you know, accused of showing grooming behaviour towards kids. And I've gone, really? I said, this is interesting. Can you show me the email? Oh, no, we can't do that. And I said, oh, well, we better go inside and have a talk. And I, I'm I'm a bit taken back at the moment, Kel. It's a hard slog to get that thrown at you. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Yeah, they wouldn't do it now. Um, this time I just wouldn't think I'd be having to buy them dentures. And, um <laughs> No, honestly, seriously, it's really hard to try and – people want you to pussyfoot around with idiots like this and oh, be meek and mild and all that, and it's like, come on, man, seriously. The reason they keep doing this crap and keep getting away with this crap because nobody stands up to them. They're like yeah, bullies, you know? Yeah. And um, that meeting didn't go too well. And I asked for another one. I said, listen, we need to have another meeting. I said, you need to bring in and show me that letter. I said, just scrub out. I don't need to see it. I said, cut it. Cut the email address off whoever sent it. I said, it's anonymous, supposedly. Cut it off. I don't care. But show me. Table it. And I need a witness. And I said, how dare you ever again do that to anybody in this church and accuse them of anything as heinous as that without a witness? I said, that was horrific. I said, you guys. And when we had the new meeting, I educated them on Matthew 18 and took them through the disciplinary action of what an elder should do to somebody in the church accused of this. Um, I spent 10 minutes on that. And then I just asked him, I said, can I have a look at the email now? This is with the witness next to me. And they said, oh, we don't have it. And I said, I'm sorry. So that's the whole purpose and reason we're here. So I can look at that and I will submit to you for correction if this email's here. I said, I'm not going to cause trouble. I said, but unless I see that email, it's, you know, just wind, noise. And I said to one of the elders at the time, David Carroll, who I thought was a friend. I said, do you think I'm grooming kids? And he actually said no. And yet he still sat on the other side of the table with the accusers um, in front of a witness. And so I just said, well, if you think I'm not Dave, why the hell are you at the table? I said, this is a joke. I said, this meeting's finished. 15 minutes, shortest meeting in Presbyterian history, I reckon. 15 minutes. <laughs> You know, that was prayer introductions, Bible lesson, and I'm gone, 15 minutes. And what happened after that was they delivered a letter to my house. I was there. I received a, a, a message that um, Bruce Wilson and David Carroll, the two elders, were going to deliver a, a letter to me. I knew what was coming. It was a disciplinary letter. And... Um, no, no, this one here it was like the Baptist church, mate. All those years ago, it was a um, pink slip, don't come Sunday. Um, in the matter of an hour or two, they gathered four signatures on a letter that has no letterhead, not dated, nothing. It's so unofficial. And they followed it up basically saying that people were feeling threatened at church and it'd be best if you didn't come back at the moment. That's how they dealt uh. with it. That's like we're talking six, seven men. Didn't even have the balls to come up to me and look me in the face and, you know, if your brother sins, go to him 
If he listens, take a mate. If he don't listens, take a few more. If he's really not going to listen, tell the whole church. Nah, within a week, the whole church knew. People were snotting me in straight up. It was instant gossip through the whole church. This is what was really heartbreaking, Kel, and I'm going to get cranky here. People might get a triggered episode off me. My granddaughter packed up her toys I didn't know and said to um, my wife, I don't want to go back to that church anymore. She says, she says they're being mean to, to Pa and nobody's talking to him anymore. She had no idea what was going on. I think she was about four or five at the time. Mm. Yeah, that was in between all this happening. She knew something was going on. He never told her. And um, they have never approached me since. Um, to me, I, I'm dealing with it as an open charge of uh, grooming and I will take legal action once I'm settled. I've already told them that. And here's the sad part. You know, this is what really breaks my heart, Kel. Um, they bounced on and all about this breaking the silence and protecting children. I went to the shops not long ago and one of the, um, I think he's an elder in the church now, he's there sitting there with his rotary mate selling tickets, being a good Pharisee, says to me after two and a half years, oh, hi, Eric, how are you? And I was just going to walk straight past him. I was going in the bottle shop to get some communion wine, ironically. And I thought, no, nah, blow this. I might end up cracking him with one, you know, and waste it. Um, I walked back. And I said, Steve, how am I? Let me tell you how I am after two and a half years, mate. And I just let it happen. I let him have it. I, and his rotary mate who was the boss there is just looking at me and goes, that doesn't sound very Presbyterian. I said, it's far from Presbyterian, mate. I said, that is a hellhole. I said, the way that they treat people and do things behind closed doors and sneakingly, I said, the things they say, I said, they're racist, they're bigoted, they're swindlers. I said, all they want is your money. You know, they were another one of those mobs. You mentioned it earlier, always putting in the bullet. This is the budget. This is what we want to make. You know, always pimping for cash. And um, I looked at him and I said, but you know what really disappoints me, Steve? I said, you're a cop, mate. I said, two and a half years. You're a cop and you never said a thing to your superiors. And I said, and what's worse, Steve? I said, you're the police liaison's officer with the schools. I said, if you thought I was grooming kids and that's the reason you had me removed from the church, why then have you let me walk the streets freely still with my working with children certificate, access to any kids, my religious education certificate, still access to any school? I said, if I was grooming kids, you would have reported me, you sly bastard. Um, <laughs> I, I, I let him have it. And I said to him, and I am going to do it. I am going to talk to his supervising officer about that. How can somebody who's a school liaison officer let somebody who possibly could be grooming kids walk around the street for two and a half, three years without reporting it? There's still no report in the police about that. Yet they kicked me and my wife, my daughter and my granddaughter out of that church because of that reason, because I was going to expose their lies and hypocrisy to the church at an annual general meeting. I told them I was gone within three weeks, Kel. I should have waited. You right. Know? I question it because they gave us a, you know, before you have an AGM, you usually get the um, financials. They give you them a week or two beforehand. And I've looked at them and I've gone, hey, I said, hey, Bruce, 
the hell is it? We're paying Brian 75 grand, bro. He's not even on the books, mate. He's not the pastor here. What's going on? What they'd done is they'd gone behind the church's back and employed him instead of switching us from a church to a home mission, which is a smaller area, because financially we were going down the gurgler. They put a bloke on a 75k retainer. How stupid's that? And I questioned him, and he erupted and refused to talk about it. He, he went red as a beetroot. And as he's walking out the church, because I'm at the sound desk, I said, hey, is that how you deal with stuff, mate? And he says, I don't want to talk about it. I said, we'll be talking about it. And he just walked out. And that was it. I was gone within three weeks. And it was a blessing in disguise. It really was. Because that's when I, I really came out and and um, I was motivated to stand up for people that get treated like this. You know, um, it's just not right. Like They should have looked no. into it a bit better um, with a charge of grooming against me. They should have dealt with it a lot better. And I give them their chance to come to me and talk to me about it. But they're not interested. They just wanted to sweep it under the carpet. And you can't do that. It's like Wayne at the Foursquare Church, Wayne McGee. He rings a bloke up. Yeah, that's fine with me. Sweep it under the carpet. It's like, no, there were other people in that home. There were other kids, you know, and it was the same as, as the other church, Kelly, being the last one dropped off. Or do you want to go out for an ice cream? That's what that fellow, right. Peter Burgess, his name, lives at Rudy Hill, New South Wales still. Hi, Pete. Yeah, I know where you live. And that's the silly thing. These people think that we don't know where they are. Whenever I've ever made a complaint, same as when I took that guy from the church to complain about being molested for nearly a year by multiple men at that property. I made sure the police had all their details. I'll even give them phone numbers if I can get them. And they're not hard to do. I should become one of these guys that tracks them down. I'd be good at that, eh? I will join you. It's my dream in life. I find it hard, but I, I get um, very angry, um, especially if it's people that are um, defenseless. Yes. Um, I seriously don't have a problem getting between somebody who's defenseless and who's offending them. And I will give them all that I have to give to protect that person. You know, And I really think that that's like a common trait amongst survivors of abuse because I see that in myself too, like to a fault. And I don't know if it's actually to a fault or if other people just see it that way, but I've been told before, you know, standing up for people who are vulnerable, who I see being mistreated or being abused. And I've taken a lot of flack for it from, you know, people who just, maybe they just want to say something negative because they need to. Um, but it's usually people who are involved in the bullying and they don't like the fact that they're being called out. But people who yeah. have said things like, you know, it, it seems like a character flaw of yours that you stick your nose into other people's business. And it's like, well, if you're abusing a vulnerable person, every single person on planet Earth should be sticking their nose in your business. Like, yeah. that's just the bottom line. How hard is it to care for the widows and the orphans? And that's what these people are. That's religion. That's what the Bible says religion is, is to care for them. And if you've got to step in and care for them to the point where you've got to stand up for them, mate, I'm all for it. It's not the first resort, you know, but there are people out there in this world. They'll be listening to you. They already listen to your podcast. They have nobody, you know? Yeah. That That's the thing that, 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 that scares me. 
I had somebody. I was fortunate, you know, when they, they did that to me at that church. I had my daughter and my wife, and the shining star in it all was my granddaughter. You know, we've become as thick as thieves since we're trouble. Um, and at nine, she'll get in your face if you don't preach Christ crucified. She's on. She's also a great hairstylist. I have to interject here uh, for those who didn't get to see that magic. Eric's granddaughter gave him a haircut on a Facebook Live video a while back. It was like a 45-minute Facebook Live, and it was amazing. Um, A very unique haircut is what I'll call it. But, uh, hey, maybe you'll have to link to that in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group so everyone can enjoy. Oh, that was hilarious, wasn't it? What do you do? I got abused last week because I trimmed my beard. She comes out and she goes, Grandma just told me you cut your beard. What's going on? Just looks at me. And I'm like, I had to trim it a little bit, Millie. It was getting a bit naughty. She goes, well, you don't do it without me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> man. She's my stylist. She did a podcast with exactly. me. It was, it was so cool. It's it's one of the most listened to podcasts I ever did. <laughs> She's a sweetie. But that that helped. If I didn't have that. Yeah, I was at my wit's end. Um, it was about two years ago and I'd had enough. Uh, I'd had enough. I was ready to go. My wife knew something was wrong. Um, I changed. And that that's where out of the blue, me and Chris Rosemary have become mates. So again, God stepped in. You know, even in all this brokenness, he continues, you know, you look at everything that he's, he's always had his hand there, you know? And so Chris and me have been mates ever since. Um, he understands and he's as mad as me. He's just had enough. We just want to serve people, you know, right. and, and preach, preach Christ crucified. That's, that's where I'm on about now, you know, and, and, if people come to you that, that have nobody, well, you become somebody for them. There's so many institutions out there in the world that do it. Why don't the church do it every now and then? It wouldn't hurt. Um, but some people can't because we're messy. <laughs> we don't exactly. fit in for a while. We go off. We get angry. We get emotional. And you, you know, can't we be think controlled and like put in their little box of like, this is how every single Christian person should behave. And this is how you behave in our church. And this is like, if you're messy and you don't fit in those little boxes, that's why stuff like that happens where they'll find any excuse to get rid of you because it's just, people are not into messy. And unfortunately yep. we're all messy. We're all disasters. Like at, <laughs> at our base, we just are. Jesus is into messy. Peter cut off a bloke's exactly. ear, blood everywhere, slaps it back on and says, come on, Pete. No, 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 not the way to go. <laughs> Move on. on do you know what I mean? He's like, well, do you know, Peter, that went against one of the commandments. Thou shalt not kill. You actually didn't do it, but you thought it. So it's just, he didn't do that. He went, come on, Pete. So ear back on. Peter knew he would have been convicted in his heart by the Holy Spirit. And we know that later on. He, he, when the three chooks went on, the three roosters crowed. You know, he was just broken. The Holy Spirit, he was just broken. And that was it. Changed man, boom. And it was nobody sticking a finger in his face going, oh, see, you did it wrong, didn't you? Right. <laughs> Chris lets me be. Chris lets me be who I am as my pastor. Because he's my pastor too. 
And so I'm accountable to him. And so I get a double flogging if I have to need it. But he, he's never questioned anything. And that's that's one of the weird things that I've enjoyed and embraced about um, being involved in the Lutheran church is that they're very embracing. They don't mind mess because they're mess too. And they know they're mess. They're not hiding anything. And um, I know there are obviously a churches that are crap out there, but I'm fortunate enough to be involved in one where we all know we're a mess and we all know we need Christ more and more every day. And that's really, really refreshing, especially if you've come through this abuse. And that's what I've been suggesting to people that um, contact me offline, and that is, is get involved in a church where they preach the gospel. If you can't get to one physically, I'll get one to you. You know, and, and 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 hey, I'm saying that on your on your show too, Kel. If people are interested in just sitting down, not having people in their face pointing fingers at them, they can contact me, and I can gear them up with some of the best church available on the internet for them. And they can interact awesome. if they want to, and they can not interact if they don't want to. They can call themselves Rocky and Bullwinkle, and nobody will care. <laughs> We just want people to be able to hear the gospel. That's where the healing comes. That's where my healings come and is continuing, is, is, is constantly just being washed over by his word. And, you know, people that get abused isolate themselves. You know, that's a pattern. You isolate, you withdraw. You want to, yeah. but that means seeing people and people are going to go, how are you? And in your head, you've already worked it out. It's like, oh, well, you don't really give a damn. Why are you even bother asking me? And you just sort of go, oh, I'm fine. But, you know, so that, that's that's my story sort of up to now. There's bits and pieces we may have missed. But it's been a, a – I got in trouble on Sunday because I said it, it's been a shit road in church. So I got in trouble. See, folks, I get in trouble. <laughs> I shouldn't say that in church. I did get in trouble, actually. I felt really bad. I don't cuss on purpose, but I cuss now and then. It's like, get over it. You know, if Jesus is going to deny us heaven for cussing, none of us are going to make it. But, yeah, so that's that's my road so far. And, and you know, I, I got onto your your group through through Jimmy's podcast and talking to Jimmy and Clara. And it's good. It's a good little group. I'm seeing people interact and the horror stories are real and, and you know, People are being believed because the people that are listening to it have been through it. You know, yep. it's it's really cool. Oh goodness! Well, there is so much to unpack in this conversation. I love a couple of things that you said, Eric, specifically that uh, everything you experienced at that church where you were kind of bullied for basically standing up for what was right um, is that it motivated you to stand up for people who were treated that way. And I find it really interesting that among abuse survivors, that seems to be a theme of people just wanting to stand up for the oppressed, wanting to stand up for people who they know are going through really hard things. And you said something else that I think was awesome. You said that there are people you're going to run into in churches where they have nobody. And we have an opportunity to be somebody to those people. And, you know, this is a really kind of refreshing conversation for me. I actually just, every time I get back on Twitter, I say that I'm not going to go back on there anymore. I'm like, it stresses me out too much. And then I'll get back on Twitter and, and you say something to kind of stand up for the abused and 
the victimized. And you get this pushback from people who claim to be Christians who just cannot wrap their brains around the fact that there is horrific abuse that happens to people and that no matter how much you love Jesus, sometimes there are still things you struggle with related to that abuse. I don't know why it's so difficult for people to understand that, but I was sort of being harassed for a couple of days by someone on Twitter who didn't like the fact that I said something about a Bible teacher that he really admires and views as a hero. Um, But that Bible teacher, unfortunately, was degrading victims of abuse and basically mocking them and saying, you know, there's more victims than there are victim categories and and basically that no one is a victim of anybody else's sin and just ridiculous stuff that really is going to be a setback for anyone who is trying to go through the healing process and trying to, to let God in to fix everything in their heart. And this is just one of the things that I find extremely frustrating in churches these days is that you are looked at as a problem or you're looked at as less than or you're looked at as somebody who's not a true Christian if you acknowledge the fact that you've gone through abuse and that horrible things happen. And it's not the litmus test for whether or not you're a Christian. In fact, I don't think there's anything in scripture that tells us we're supposed to pretend everything's okay when it's not. But I'm just encouraged by Eric and uh, the things that you've talked about with us in this conversation today and just kind of a reminder of like, that's what we can be, that safe haven and that safe place that we're looking for in churches and we so often don't find it. Well, we can be that for other people. It would be nice if uh, people who haven't been abused would kind of step in and and fill in the gap there. But if if that's not going to happen, then I know that abuse survivors are going to do that for each other. And that's another thing that was kind of rolling around on Twitter this week was that uh, victims of abuse are essentially just demanding that people care about them and demanding that people love them. Like, you know, we can't even love ourselves the majority of the time. You know, we, we seriously struggle with that. So we're definitely not demanding that anybody else do it. Um, but we can do that for each other. We can love each other. We can lift each other up and we can encourage each other when we don't feel like we have anybody else. So a big thank you to Eric Peterson. You can find him on his podcast and his Facebook page, The Outback Berean. You can also find him on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. He is there and you can just search Survivor Sanctuary on Facebook and request to join and I will add you and then you can join the conversation there. We will continue this on the Facebook page. Well, thank you for joining me for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.